Have you ever had a close call? Maybe think about a few close calls you've had in your life. I almost drowned in Herzliya when I was 12. Herzliya is a surf town in uh, Israel where I grew up, and uh, it's got epic surf. We would go most Saturdays. We'd drive down from Jerusalem. It's only about 45 minutes. And uh, I was boogie boarding. My friends were surfing, and the waves were, I mean, really big. I remember them as a 12-year-old as, I don't know, 10 feet. I'm sure they weren't. They were probably 6 feet. But it was big enough to uh, be dangerous. And I love the water. I've been a water person since I can remember. And so for me, the ocean is a very friendly environment. I had no cause to be concerned. But uh, I remember I was riding a big wave, and I got wiped out. And as I came up, another wave hit me, and I got stuck in the middle of the big set. And so every time I would come up, I'd get hit with another wave. And I don't know if you've ever been in big waves like this, but there was a pretty pronounced undertow, and it was pulling me out. And so every time I came up to breathe, I'd get hit, and then it would pull me out a little deeper and come up. I'd get hit, and so I was losing my breath, and I was getting pulled further and further from shore. And I'll never forget, I was only 12 years of age, going, okay, maybe this is where it ends for me. Maybe I'm going to die today. And I remembered that sometimes when you get caught up in a rip current, what you need to do is stop fighting it and go with the flow, man. And so <laughs> I got one kind of half breath, and I just kind of just let myself lie there, and I just kind of laid down on the bottom and then got some strength back and then slowly took a very quick little breath. And through doing this repeatedly over the course of what felt like an hour, I'm sure it was only minutes, I gradually found myself able to swim out of the rip current and work my way back into shore. But it was a very close call. I almost had a uh, car take me out driving north on I-95 years ago from Florida. I was in a U-Haul truck helping my friend move from Florida back to Ottawa and we had a trailer with his car on the trailer and his dog in the car in the trailer. And I've ever been caught in those crazy rainstorms that will just hit I-95 out of nowhere, but it was one of those. And so we were driving up I-95 in that section just in northern Florida, where if you've driven this highway, you know there's two lanes going north and two lanes going south, and there's kind of a gully that stretches between those two lanes. And the rain was so intense that a pickup truck coming south lost control, and it hydroplaned. And so if you ever hydroplaned, hopefully it's never happened to you. If it ever does happen to you, you've got to really relax in that moment. There's so much water on the ground that the tires actually begin to float, and it's like you're on ice, and the, this truck began spinning. And he was driving pretty fast, as hillbillies do in northern Florida. And so he was spinning, and he lost control, and he went right off the road down into the gully, bounced once, and then came up into our lane. Now, I'm driving a 24-foot U-Haul truck with a trailer and a car, so I'm not exactly nimble. And I will n it's like time slowed right down. And I just, just inched the truck just like slightly to the right, and the pickup truck kind of spun. It's almost like I could hear it like a helicopter, like and just kind of missed us. And then I remember looking in the rearview mirror to see if it was going to take out the car and kill my friend's dog. And it like, it, I, as I brought the truck over, I kind of kicked it back just the slightest, and I saw the trailer do one of these at the back, and the pickup truck just went into the trees behind us. It was a close call. I also almost ate tofu once by accident. <laughs> you know, <laughs> this really fancy meal, and I put this thing in my mouth, and I was like, I spat it out. What is this? <laughs> Who put rodents in my food? It was disgusting. It's a close call. Maybe your whole life feels like a close call. Can I get one witness? Your whole life feels like a close call or a series of close calls. That's don't, if that's you, don't worry. Because though your life feels like a close call, you're actually closer 
to Jesus. <laughs> I'll show you what I mean and why it's awesome out of Psalm 148. Woo, it's good to be back. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise Him in the heights. Praise Him, all His angels. Praise Him, all His hosts. Praise Him, sun and moon. Praise Him, all you shining stars. Praise Him, you highest heavens and you waters above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for He commanded and they were created, and He established them forever and ever. He gave a decree and it shall not pass away. Praise the Lord from the earth, you great sea creatures and all deeps, fire and hail, snow and mist, stormy wind fulfilling His word, mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars, beasts and all livestock, creeping things and flying birds, kings of the earth and all peoples, princes and all rulers of the earth, young men and maidens together, old men and children. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for His name alone is exalted. His majesty is above earth and heaven. He has raised up a horn for His... Wait till I preach about that horn. He has raised up a horn for His people. Praise for all His saints, for the people of Israel who are near to Him. Praise the Lord. I love the Psalms. I could preach the Psalms all day long. Praise the Lord. Hope you notice how many praise the Lords there are in this psalm. How many alls there are in this psalm. How many exclamation marks there are in this psalm. I highlighted every one and I said to myself, you have license to preach today, son. Praise the Lord, all his saints. Praise the Lord. It's a powerful psalm. I love it. Big idea. Here's the big idea to Psalm 148. Praise the Lord. Why? Because he has lifted up salvation over you. Why? Because you're close to him, so you've got no worries. It's the big idea out of Psalm 148. There's four particular ways we can look at this big idea. Four particular viewpoints expressed in this psalm. The first, in verses 1 through 6, is a celestial perspective. So you can watch for that. You'll see the celestial perspective first in verses 1 through 6. Then you'll see the terrestrial perspective in verses 7 through 10. After that, you'll get the sociological perspective in verses 11 through 13. And then finally, the soteriological perspective in verse 14. Soteriology, from the word soterion, having to do with salvation. Four unique perspectives. Celestial, terrestrial, sociological, soteriological. First one, here's the celestial perspective. If you want to remind yourself why it's going to be okay, consider the heavens. Did you get a chance to do that this summer out in the wild? No light pollution? Lying on the dock or the beach or a rock looking up at the sky and going, <gasps> wow! Do you remember the first time you saw the night sky without light pollution? And you had no idea there was so much there. What a picture of life. Realize your life is like the celestial heavens. There is so much there that you can't see because of all the noise around you all the time. Sometimes God moves you into a quiet place to let you see how things truly are. Consider the heavens. Short form. You want to know why it's going to be okay? Look up. Okay, Think about looking up here as I read to you again verses 1 through 6. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise Him in the heights. Praise Him, all His angels. Praise Him, all His hosts. Praise Him, sun and moon. Praise Him, all you shining stars. Praise Him, you highest heavens, and you waters above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord. For He commanded, and they were created, and He established them forever and ever. He gave a decree, and it shall not pass away. Notice how everything is celestial there. 
If you're thinking, there's no water in the heavens, that's betraying there a very Jewish cosmology. Okay, ancient Jewish cosmology thought that God basically divided the earth from a cosmic water system. So there's water below and water above. This is, of course, before the advent of modern science. These writers would have had no idea that we're not actually floating in a cosmic lake. But poetically, we see here a beautiful picture of God above it all. Hallelujah, God, above it all. Hallelujah, God, unshakable. Hallelujah, God, you have done great things. The celestial perspective. Look up, I lift my eyes up to the mountains. Remember this song? Where does my help come from? Who else knows it besides me, Nikki, and Tom Warren? Yeah, sing then. My help comes from you, maker of heaven, creator of the earth. <laughs> yeah, isn't that good? I know. I was just thinking, should we sing the chorus? But if I sing the chorus, I'll start crying. Oh, how I need you, Lord. You are my only hope. You're my only prayer. And so I will wait for you to come and rescue me. Come and give me life. And then back to the top, right? But we've already done it. So just in case, like, you're not a fan of bringing your kids to church, you bring them to church, they'll memorize songs like that, which one day they'll sing as they preach in their church. You need some help, you need some perspective, look up. That'll preach good. And remember, um, your intended central preoccupation is to praise. This is something many people miss, especially Westerners. We think our intended central preoccupation is to work. Can I get an amen? You think this because your parents thought this, because your grandparents thought this, because your great-grandparents thought this. Because when they emigrated from the continent, they had to work like dogs just to survive. So they bred this into you, this idea that you're meant to work. You're actually meant to worship. This is the design, central preoccupation of the human race, to worship the high king of heaven. I think it was my friend Chris Jones who first coined this phrase. Nikki will correct me if I'm wrong. It was either Gord Marriage or me or Chris Jones. I'm not sure. Everybody worships all the time. It's just a question of who or what. One of the most profound things I ever heard me or Chris or Gord say. Who knows? Everybody worships all the time. It's just a question of who or what. Look at the world around you. Everybody you know is worshiping all the time. Just most of the time, most of the people you know are worshiping the wrong God. Their God is their work. Their God is their money. Their God is their self. Their God is their habits. Their God is their addiction. Their God is their preferences. Their God is their comfort. Some people, their God is their pain. Am I right or am I right? Not at me if you've seen this. Okay, everybody worships all the time. It's just a question of who or what? You're meant to worship the high king of heaven. Also, let's remember what praise is. This is a recurring theme for me. I don't want to beat the drum too hard. But I'm always mindful there's somebody here for the first time today. And so you haven't heard this one before. 
you know, I was going to do like a crowd participation thing, but I realized you're probably not quite ready for that yet. It's going to have us compete. Like this side was going to go, ah! and then this side was going to go, ah! and I thought this is going to fall flat. Maybe someday. I'll bring it back when you're ready. I feel like Marty McFly right after he plays. I guess you're not ready for that yet. What is praise? Yeah! Yeah! Touchdown! Yeah! Woo! Woo! Uh, you want me to keep going? See, I told you I'm not ready for this yet. Help me, Jesus. Ooh, I'm seeing stars. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> not as young as I used to be. Help me, Lord. That's what praise is. Sick and tired of being sick and tired. It's hard for me, man. It's hard. It's hard for you. See all these people living their lives praiselessly. Like we're Christians, right? I'm talking Christian cosmology here. I don't believe what the world believes. I don't believe that life's all about me. I believe that God exists, that he made me to be his friend, that my highest goal is to praise him. I believe that when I die, I will awaken his presence and I will praise him and I will walk into glory and I will see that sacred throng of saints who have been busy praising him from since before the time of Abraham. And I'm telling you, friend, I will not find myself untrained when I walk into that throng. Somebody shout! You're like, Todd, you're pushing it too hard. Am I? If the story is true, am I pushing it too hard? Somebody help me out. If the story is true, am I pushing it too hard? is also how imperative praise is meant to be. How do I know? Well, because I read verse 1 to 6. Do you see all the commands? He's not like asking. If you're in the mood, maybe spare some time. I know the beach is nice, but maybe, you know, I know you're busy, but could you spare me a few minutes? I didn't write it this way. It's crazy. You're meant to praise. Praise the Lord. Why? Verse 5 and 6. For he commanded and they were created, and he established them forever and ever. He gave a decree, and it shall not pass away. This is why you praise the Lord. Okay, God is worthy of your praise for two reasons. One, remember, I'm a Christian, and I happen to believe the story. He spoke, and everything was created. He speaks, and things happen. I happen to believe it. I hope you do too. That's why he's worthy of your praise, because he speaks and things happen. And secondly, he's worthy of praise because he's faithful forever. I can't preach it quiet. And he never fails. Did you see that in the text? Verse 6 He established them forever and ever. He gave a decree, huh? <laughs> and it shall not pass away. I mean, somebody could say hallelujah. Hallelujah! Which, by the way, is praise the Lord. 
So those are your celestial reasons. Your celestial reasons, picking it up at verse 7, to praise the Lord from the earth, you great sea creatures, and all deeps, fire and hail, snow and mist, stormy wind fulfilling his word. Mountains and hills and fruit trees and cedars and beasts and livestock and creeping things and flying birds. Yes, you guessed it. Here we have the terrestrial perspective. You want to remind yourself things are going to be okay? Remember that God is a much better planner than you. Especially good for those of you who are good planners. I'm a lousy planner. So to me, I'm like, I'll worship you all day, every day. Just don't ask me to have six appointments in one week. For those of you who can really plan, that's your superpower, God made you organized like he is, remember, nobody plans better than him. All these things, all these terrestrial things, what are they doing? In verse 8, they are fulfilling his word. Terra firma herself is acting in obedience to God's will. Everything is unfolding according to his plan, so praise him. I gotta say it again? I gotta say it again. Everything's unfolding according to his plan, so praise him. Everything's unfolding according to his plan. Even the Southeast Asian tsunami, I always go there. Remember that one? Even when ISIS beheaded our brothers on the beach in Egypt, my mind always goes there. Christian cosmology is difficult. Everything? Is working according to his will? Everything? Christian cosmology demands that you say, I! A-Y-E. Yes! All your promises are yes and amen. So, how do we deal with this? Well, look, we remember the gospel. Even in death and disaster, there are no surprises for him. Jesus was not surprised at what happened to him on the cross. He knew it was coming. And yet he went there. He knew what to expect. That's why he asked for relief the night before. But oh, thank God for that great coda. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done, O Lord. There's no surprises in God's economy. He's not shocked. He hasn't taken his hand off the wheel. Pickup truck is spinning towards him. He's like, I got this. We're good. We're good. We'll drive around that one. And you're like, yeah, but sometimes the truck hits the trailer. What then? What did Jesus do upon the cross? He died. And then, once they laid him in the tomb... What did Jesus do? He rose. Conquering once and for all the power of Satan, sin, death, and hell. And so for him, death is a win. So 250,000 souls are gathered to the bosom of the Father on the day of the great Southeast Asian tsunami, which from God's perspective is a, it's a win. You're like, are all those 250,000 going to heaven or are some of them going to hell? Stop playing God. Let him deal with that. 
say it again. Woo. Stop playing God. Let him deal with that great question. That's why he's God and you're not. Well, I mean, did we have salvation cards signed from each of them? Don't get me started. You trust God to be God. You proclaim his gospel with every opportunity. You embody his love every chance you get. And you know that he is the one who wills that none should but that should come to it's enough for me. For me to live is to die is yeah. You can read that for yourself in Philippians 1. 21 through 24. So, praise Him! I mean, you could go to almost any song. Praise Him with the timbrel and harp. Praise Him with the clanging cymbals. Praise Him with raised voice. Praise Him, all you saints. The psalmist knew this stuff better than us, which is why the stuff they wrote got put in the Bible. (laughs) Praise Him. Who? Kings of the earth and all peoples, princes and all rulers of the earth, young men and maidens together, old men and children. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is exalted. His majesty is above earth and heaven. Now we come to the sociological perspective. Praise him who? Everybody. Regardless of whether your status is low or high or female or male or weak or strong, regardless of where you fit on any spectrum that might be applied to those constructed qualifiers. You are called to praise the Lord. You are invited to worship the Lord. Praise Him, all kings and rulers, even the mighty, the strong, and the exalted. They are ultimately what? Under His feet. Psalm 110.1. Whether you're young or old, a Christian cosmology is not fit just for those 60 plus. In fact, I think it is much more helpful for those between the ages of 17 and 37. Because by the time you're 60 plus, most of the time, you're all right. Or, if 17 to 37 was a wreckage, then you're wrecked. Old, young, doesn't matter. You're meant to praise The Lord, praise the impregnable fortress that is our God. A mighty fortress is our God. A bulwark never failing. We need to bring some of these hymns from my childhood back to this church. That's the word here. Exalted, for his name is exalted, verse 13. In the Hebrew, it's impregnable. Aren't you glad? You worship an impregnable fortress of a God. Somebody just wave your hand at me. You don't got to shout. Aren't you glad? You're like, why are you screaming? That's what you do in black church. You're like, you can't say black church. Yes, you can. They exist everywhere in the world. I've been there in Africa. I was the only white person. I think it's appropriate to call it a black church, not a white church. 
And you know what they do? Oh! These people who have nothing. In Soweto, in the floods of the mid-90s, their whole town being wiped out by rivers that used to be streets. And they're standing in God's church on the Lord's day. And they're doing this. Oh! Woo! Woo! You're like, he's crazy. No, he's Christian. Are you judging me? I don't know, maybe. It's a small J if I am. If you're looking for a good investment, invest your life in Jesus and his kingdom because he's impregnable. Somebody say impregnable. I know you're not used to this. Somebody say impregnable. 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 He's impregnable. Invest in Jesus and his kingdom. Why? As I close, verse 14. Because he has raised up a horn for his people. Praise him, all his saints, for the people of Israel who are near to him. Praise the Lord. And yeah, Kathy's like running to the stage. I haven't even said, worship team, I'm done. But they saw her leave, and so they're like nervous. Worship team, I'm done. You can go join Kathy, who probably changed the last song. I don't know. She's talking to Brian. We'll see what she's got up her sleeve. Here's the final reason to... I hope I preach this best. It's the final reason to praise the Lord. Verse 14. (laughs) Because he's lifted up a horn of salvation over his people. (laughs) This is the soteriological reason. From soterion, having to do with salvation. You praise him... Because he was lifted up for you. And if I be lifted up, I will draw all people unto myself. I'm so glad I got to come back to church this morning to tell you that Jesus is the horn of salvation. So maybe at the last trumpet... He doesn't even need to grab a shofar. Maybe his voice is enough. Maybe he sits astride his horse and he just pulls one of these. Oh! He is the horn of salvation. He was lifted up over you. He is the great trumpet blast at the end of the age. And you belong to him, and not just you, an entire nation belongs to him. He has raised up a horn for his people. In the Hebrew here, people is nation. The word is am. So you're not alone. You might feel alone, but you're not alone. He's raised up a horn of salvation for his nation. And last time I checked the New Testament, I read that you are a royal priesthood, a holy nation. The people, nation of God. Last time I checked, you were being built together into a dwelling place of God by the Spirit. Next time you feel alone, rebuke the devil. Because the devil is a liar! I got to say that today. That's my best day. Next time he whispers to you that you're alone. I almost said you rebuke his ass, but then I thought... You might be like, that's a bad word. It's not a bad word. Balaam was an ass. 
spoke through. Anyway, I'm good. And Nikki's like, you're crazy. I'm just trying to be effective with my language. Tell that devil you are not alone. You're part of the holy nation of God. For whom the horn was lifted up. For his nation. For all his saints. For his nation who are near him. What does this remind you of? Christmas is coming. What does this remind you of? I've told you like 17 times. Near him. Emmanuel means what? Imanu with us. El. Imanu with us. El. With us God. He is the God who is near to you. So uh, you may be close to disaster, but you're closer to Jesus. <laughs> so praise him. And somebody said... <laughs>